stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, welcome to the sound where the program Rob Breckenridge with you on the Chorus Radio Network. So another setback for Keystone XL, which uh, I suppose in talking about this project, we should be used to that by now. And we've been talking about this project for, you know, the better part of a decade now. TC Energy says this isn't uh, a fatal blow to the project, uh, but it's certainly a big obstacle. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court yesterday upholding a lower court ruling that blocked a key permit for this project. So this comes uh, just days after the Alberta government was celebrating the fact uh, that construction is underway on this project on this side of the border. Uh, So in the meantime, this is creating a lot of construction jobs. But what does this mean potentially long term for the project? Well, joining us uh, to share his thoughts on where things stand uh, with this embattled project is uh, Dennis McConaughey. He's a former executive with TransCanada, now known as TC Energy. Uh, he's the author of uh, several books on the uh, energy sector, the energy debate. His most recent uh, book is called Breakdown, the Pipeline Debate and the Threat to Canada's Future. Uh, much more at his website, Dialogues on Canadian Energy, D-O-C-E dot C-A. Dennis McConaughey, great to have you with us here. Welcome back to the program. Here we are. Are you there, Dennis? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Oh, perfect. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, glad to have you with yeah, us. Yeah, I was Thanks just saying it was great to be with you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So your thoughts, first of all, on this particular ruling, what, what kind of an obstacle this represents in your view? Okay, so let's. I think one thing that should be clarified for people is that this Montana federal court judge uh, made a ruling that there was a deficiency in the process that was used by the Army Corps of Engineers to assess essentially species impacts on water crossings that had been part of the uh, issuance of the permit uh, that would enable work to go on the United States side. He made that judgment several months ago. Um, That decision was appealed and it is still being, and it was the appeal in the Ninth Circuit of the United States was not successful, but it has continued to be appealed to higher courts Trans-Canada and the U.S. government, the Trump administration, attempted to get a removal of the stay, the stay which really meant you cannot construct until this deficiency is remedied, um, is what was rejected yesterday by the Supreme Court. They didn't give any reasons. They didn't identify with any of the justices dissented. They just did not remove the stay. So at this point, they said that the stay would continue until the appeal process has run its course. The reality is that the best case uh, situation is that this project will not start construction on the U.S. side until much later in the year. So this creates the problem, of course, is if Donald Trump is not the president next year, this will get very problematic. And, I mean, this is simply, you know, adding to the fact that if construction had started and a substantial amount of construction had occurred on the U.S. side, uh, that might have been, you know, a positive consideration uh, in front of a Biden presidency for letting the project get completed at that point. But yes, this this ruling last night is is you know problematic because it increases the likelihood that if there is a Biden presidency, um, uh, that the judgment of how well remedied these deficiencies are 
may be judged to be so extreme that they can never be remedied, which would be very unfair and problematic to Canada and certainly to this project, and especially to the province of Alberta. So it's a very troubling development. Yeah, okay. Well, that's an important way to look at it, because I I guess then the potential then of a Biden presidency insofar as this project is concerned, having some reality on the ground, having, as you say, a lot of this pipeline already constructed or under construction will make a big difference in terms of, I guess, his ability to essentially say approval is withdrawn. Well, one might have hoped so. But again, uh, at the moment, uh, construction is not going ahead on the U.S. side. Um, and, you know, again, it's it's important to know that, you know, most of the construction on the project that's being done this year is being funded by the Alberta government pursuant to the agreement that was made between TC Energy and the province of Alberta. So, I mean, that's that's another reason why um, <clears throat> um, this situation uh, has gotten actually um, more difficult because it's actually created more exposures. To, to the province of Alberta, because they are the entity that was by the agreement that was made, is the one that's doing the funding of construction this year. And of course, it's not, you know, the, the construction on the Canadian side is, um, let's just say, substantially stranded. If you can't complete the section between the Canadian border and the southeast corner of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Well, what what needs to be sorted out? Uh, to to get construction back underway on the U.S. side. Well, so let's just in in uh, and I, I think this is one thing I do want to emphasize to you and your listeners. In the normal course, these deficiencies would be remedied. The 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 uh, Army Corps of Engineers would do the additional work and assessment on impacts to species that were demanded by the court. That that will take some time, and when that is done. Uh, it would be my judgment that that would be, in the normal course, sufficient to restore construction of this project. Because it's, it's essentially a deficiency in the assessment. And the judge basically said, I want this remedied. But you can't start work until it is remedied. And one of the things the Supreme Court of the United States did last night is that this ruling, in terms of the processes of the Army Corps, is now just specific to KXL. They It, it no longer applies to any other pipeline that um, was prior to their clarification last night was holding up other pipelines in the United States. So in the normal course, this would get fixed. But again, if there is a different president who is substantially uh, opposed to this pipeline on the basis that you know Alberta oil sands production is at odds with his climate agenda, uh, the fact that um, they may use the entire you know, apparatus of um, the federal government of the United States at the at the executive level to concoct other standards, concoct uh, unwillingness to give perfunctory permits, in addition to what the courts have already done, is is you know very troubling. So, I mean, at this point, I think there's two things. Like, you know, Canadians can hope that, or Albertans can hope that Trump is elected. In which case. It's just a matter of time, really. Uh, it's not a, a fatal blow. If there is a Biden presidency, there's going to have to be work done to basically make the case that this pipeline should not be thwarted in the overall context of the relationship on energy and climate between the two countries. So, I mean, that's what would lie ahead for the Alberta government if, in fact, Joe Biden is elected president in November. So where does that leave for now, the Alberta government and TC Energy? Is it, is it now kind of waiting and, and hoping? Well, I mean, um, 
as of this afternoon, I'm not aware that either one has made any substantive uh, statement other than to say that it, they don't consider this to be a fatal blow to the project. So that would imply that spending continues on the Canadian side of the border. I think that's, you know, um, something that, you know, Sonia Savage or the Premier should speak to. Um, and that, um, because, they, you know, substantially they're taking the risk this year uh, right. in terms of the spending. And, you know, they, they, they should clarify that they're still... Uh, uh, how they, in respect of how they relate to Albertans, how they will relate to a Biden presidency in getting this project still completed, because it's going to be a question of policy, I think, um, and and be judged at the political level. Um, we all know how difficult that could be, but I think there is an onus on them to clarify that they are still committed and they still think they have a plan if Joe Biden is president. I think that's what any Albertan would expect of them. Right, and what what might that look like? Do you think? Well, again, as I said before, I think there has to be an appeal, not just from the premier, but from the prime minister, again, to the Biden presidency, notwithstanding that he has come out opposed to it, that this project uh, was substantially approved by, you know, uh, and had most of its legal requirements fulfilled under the Trump presidency, that uh, this project is still meaningful to, certainly meaningful to Canada, creates genuine economic benefits to the United States, and in the overall global context, uh, this project has immaterial incremental carbon emissions. And, and again, just to make this point, we've made it in other, in other conversations we've had. Like if Canada doesn't produce this heavy oil and sell it into these U.S. markets, another heavy oil producer in the world will, and will have substantially the same emissions uh, that we would have had. It would just get produced and uh, uh, from a different country and from a different source. So again, the same argument that were used back uh, when I was with TransCanada in the earlier part of this past decade to the Obama administration would have to be made to the Biden administration to say, this is just a fatuous gesture on your part opposing this pipeline, and there's more constructive ways for the two countries to advance uh, rational carbon policy. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that would have to be done if both Canada and especially Alberta have to cope with a Biden presidency to ensure this project can still get completed. Well, and I mean, it is encouraging that, that uh, at least on this pipeline, uh, this project, the, the Alberta government, the federal government uh, on the same page. Uh, so that, that's, that's hopeful then that there can maybe be some, some coordination, maybe even yeah, some cooperation. There's every that. reason, uh, especially in a, a situation where the Canadian government clearly is going to need the economic contribution from hydrocarbons as it tries to come out of this post-COVID environment, which has, of course, created a great deal of borrowing, a great deal of additional debt that's got to be coped with. So you, I mean, I I do believe that there is every reason to expect collaboration between Alberta and Ottawa on this, but, you know, they are dealing with an an administration that will have to overcome, um, you know, the candidate's stated opposition to this project and, um, you know, so this is, uh, this is not, um, I don't want to say it's a tall order, order but it, it is going to be difficult. And, and let me just ask you, Dennis, because I do hear it from people that why are we so invested in this? This is just uh, another pipeline to the U.S. We, we need to get off our reliance on the Americans. We should be exploring other markets, either to the West or even potentially to the East. But getting to the Gulf Coast is is pretty significant. Why why is this project so important in your view? Well, I, I've said this many times before, and I'll reiterate it. Like the 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 um, the 
revenues that come back to Canada, come back to Alberta, come back to oil sands producers, is maximized when Alberta is able to export to the Gulf Coast heavy oil market in the most efficient transportation system available to it. And so you had an, uh, the reason this project has endured now ever since 2008 is because there is a natural economic synergy between refineries on the Gulf Coast that are optimized to run on heavy oil and Alberta uh, bitumen-based uh, heavy oil. And the Keystone XL pipeline would represent the most efficient system to get more incremental volumes at the lowest cost and at the lowest the lower the transportation cost the higher the net back to alberta for whatever the given price of oil is so that's the reason it was always the most strategically important because it was the most direct to the market where the expanding oil production in alberta was logically to go to so rather than going to vancouver and going on tankers back through the panama canal uh this was you know obviously a more, quote, logical project. And it was one of the reasons why that project always was earlier in the queue. Not to suggest that TMX isn't useful and that market diversity isn't useful, but it's not lost on the industry or, frankly, the Alberta government, that this was the most strategic pipeline for Alberta long-term. If you take the view, as I do, that there's still going to be significant demand for this oil, over the short and medium term, certainly long enough to pay off the pipeline infrastructure and long mm-hmm. enough for Alberta and, and Canada, frankly, to sort out where you know, oil production fits in a world that is still trying to come to terms with um, the climate risk and, and energy transition. We'll leave it there for now. Dennis, always appreciate the insight. Much more at uh, doce.ca, yeah. Dialogues on Canadian Energy, and uh, appreciate the dialogue here today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rob. All the best. Uh, That is Dennis McConaughey, former executive with TransCanada Energy, uh, now known as TC Energy. Uh, His website, doce.ca. His most recent book, Breakdown, the Pipeline Debate and the Threat to Canada's Future. So some interesting insight from him on where things stand with the project and why this project matters. Our number here in Calgary, 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. My name is Rob Breckenridge. Back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.